The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Professor Charles Telfer. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Gracious, kind, and merciful Heavenly Father, We thank you that you chose to love us and you sent your son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We thank you that you have chosen us and you have regenerated us and you have done a work in us that will never end. We thank you for grace upon grace that we find in Jesus Christ. Our Lord, we thank you that despite the storms and the difficulties that face us in this life, that Jesus will never fail us. We thank you that you turn our deepest sufferings and the things that cause us the most pain and stress for our own good. So we ask, Lord, that you would enable us this day and this week to set aside our anxieties, to be free from that, the fretting stress of trying to win the approval of others and the glories of this world, as it were, and the applause and the treasures that we gain in this life, and to find our full delight in your grace toward us in Christ. May he be our purest pleasure in our experience this day and all our days until that final everlasting day of rest. Strengthen us, then, we pray, as we sing your praise. As we hear your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to turn with me as we consider the gospel and the gospels to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We'll begin reading in the midst of the text, verse 32, to the end of the chapter. The the context is that Jesus has done an extraordinary miracle on a man who was invalid for 38 years. He has spoken the word and given him life. And then there becomes this great debate between Jesus and his opponents about who he is. Picking up our reading then, just these few verses at the end of chapter 5, John 5, beginning to read in 32. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus himself says, There's another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John." For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not, not, you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me, that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. 
I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Thus far, the reading in God's holy word. May he write it on each of our hearts and give each of us a blessing. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, well loved by our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior says in verse 35 that he he says, I say these things so that you may be saved. I say these things so that you may be saved. This is an extraordinary comment that the Savior makes to these people. These people are his enemies. These are his opponents. These are people who have a malicious attitude to him, many of whom will betray him falsely to the Roman authorities and turn him over to death. And he knows this, and yet he says of them, I say these things so that you may be saved. What a kind expression of our Savior, that he, if he can say this kind of gracious, hand-held-out expression to his enemies, how much more to us who respond to him in faith. He desires our welfare. He wants us to be safe and saved. He cares for us. I say these things so that you may be saved. Salvation is obviously the heart of that dispute that took place beginning some 500 years ago between those we call the Protestants and the Romanists. How can I be saved? Central question, critical question, important question. Is it Jesus and Jesus alone, as the Protestants said, or is it Jesus plus my best efforts, as the Romanists said, right? How can I be saved is a key question here. And what is the authority of the scriptures? What's the role of the Bible? That's another message here. This is a, these two reasons, soteriology and scripture, uh, drew my attention to this text originally. Of course, this Sunday we're celebrating the kickoff of the Reformation. It's a, the whole of Germany is celebrating uh, the Reformation this year. And uh, it would be appropriate for you to celebrate in your own way, maybe this weekend, whatever that might be, whether it's raising a glass and thanking the Lord for Martin Luther. But if you're thinking of Luther, I would encourage you to, if you haven't read it yet, to read his Freedom of a Christian. What a wonderful short work that focuses on the gospel and the delight that we can have in the gospel. If you haven't read Freedom of a Christian, let me commend that. Uh, Freedom of a Christian man, let me read, let me commend that to you. So we're, we're, we're considering uh, these, these questions of salvation and we're considering the question of uh, Scripture in this text. The Protestant Reformation is obviously a great debate. Jesus himself is involved in a great debate here in this text. He's done this miracle and he is making these extraordinary claims about himself throughout this text, and I'll just mention some of them briefly. Verse 21, he says, I give life. Verse 26, he says, I have life in myself. This is an extraordinary claim. Verse 22, 27, I have authority to execute judgment. 28, 
I am, I am one who will speak and people will come out of their tombs. Jesus is claiming that he has a critical role on that great final day of judgment. This is, this is, this is utterly extraordinary for a, a average looking Jewish man to stand up and make these kind of claims. The issue is, who is this Jesus? Can I take him for who he says he is or should I reject him as, uh, as an imposter? Right? This is faith in Jesus or no faith in Jesus? This is the question. Right? How can we respond uh, to this? How should we respond to this, to this one who calls himself the son of man? He's saying of himself that he's that extraordinary figure, that intermediary figure between God and humanity from Daniel. How will we take the claims, these huge claims of Jesus? And let me just suggest that we can, uh, from this text, uh, Three reasons to put your faith in Jesus. Three reasons to put your faith in Jesus as your rescuer and as your Messiah. First, we see, if you'll look with me at 39, that the Hebrew scriptures lead you to faith in Jesus as your rescuer and your Messiah. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness to me. And then look at 46. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. And if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? In other words, uh, Moses is all about me. Now, Westminster Seminary, we have a reputation for Christ-centered interpretation and Christocentric uh, preaching. And not everyone appreciates these emphases uh, that we have here at this school. And I hope that you will not... Uh, when you go off and preach, I hope you'll not uh, confirm those biases by saying things like preaching is not exhortation or there is no pointed application in, uh, in sermons to help people live a, a, the Christian life in a practical way. I hope you won't do that. But certainly when we, when we look at scriptures such as the following, where Jesus claims that Moses is pointing to him, not only that, he claims that all of scripture from Genesis to Malachi, is, is pointing to him, how can we do anything other than have a focus on Christ in our reading of uh, the Hebrew Bible and of our reading of uh, Moses himself? This is quite clear and very much in keeping with Jesus says in Luke 24, 44, he speaks to his disciples and says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In the Torah, in the Nevi'im, in the Ketuvim, of which the Psalms are the focus in the writings, uh, he is the focus of the teaching of the Hebrew Bible as a whole. And yet the people, as we see in verse 43, the people are not responding. The people are not responding. They're fulfilling John 1.11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But those who do, we read in John 1.12, who believe in his name, he gives to us those who respond the right to become the children of God. But not only do the Hebrew scriptures lead us to faith in Jesus as our Messiah and our rescuer, but John the Baptist leads us to faith in Jesus as our Messiah and our rescuer. Look at 33. He says, you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. John you will remember, Jesus is reminding them, is the one who said he must decrease and I must increase. He said of me that I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Won't you believe him? 
you delighted in him for a while? Is your faith simply temporary? And in 37, the end in 38, Jesus has a, has a damning exposition of their unresponsiveness and their unbelief. We won't go into that uh, today. And another theme throughout our text is Jesus' testimony beyond John. Jesus has a testimony in, in, in the testimony of the Father to himself. He knows who he is. He doesn't need John to tell him who he is. But again, we'll let that uh, go by this morning. The Hebrew scriptures, John the Baptist himself, point us and uh, lead us to faith in Jesus as our rescuer and as our Messiah. And finally, the miracles. Jesus points us to the miracles which lead us to faith in him as Messiah. Look at 36. He says, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus is referring to things like he just did. These uh, these mighty acts, which are acts that can only be attributed to God. They are acts by fiat. Pick, go. Uh, He says to someone who can't walk, go walk. He says to someone who's blind, see. This is like saying, let there be light. Jesus heals simply by a word, not by means. This is a divine power, and it underlines everything that he has claimed about himself. He lifts up a girl who's in death and makes her come back into life. These are the works of God, and they are sufficient to lead us to believe in the Lord Jesus um, as our rescuer and as our redeemer. In our prayer group, we've had many answers to prayer. We've had, some of them have been rather extraordinary. But these are, not, these are God's kindnesses to us, the, the, the remarkable things that he does in our lives, the changes in our circumstances, whether it's a healing or a, a providential change. These are his fatherly kindnesses uh, to us. But it's not that we have healing ministries today in the same way as we see uh, Jesus uh, doing the works of God, the same way as we see uh, Moses or Elijah. These are authentications that God puts on, his, uh, on those who bring his word to underline that the message that they bring is indeed a message uh, and a covenant uh, uh, message from, from he himself. So, brothers and sisters, the scriptures lead us to faith in Jesus as our Messiah. John the Baptist leads us to faith in Jesus as our Messiah. And the miracles of Jesus lead us to faith in him as our rescuer and as our Messiah. Jesus gives us a warning. If you look at uh, 43, the warning is if you don't fall for Jesus, you'll fall for anything. And that's, of course, exactly what happened in the first and the second centuries. Uh, Josephus records that the Jewish people, being stirred up by John the Baptist with messianic hopes, having rejected Christ, they, f- they f- fell for many false messiahs, including for Bar Kokhba. And in the Bar Kokhba revolt in the 130s, uh, not only was, was Judea completely devastated, but Jews themselves were excluded from Jerusalem. It was the, it was the end of Judea in many ways. If you don't fall for Jesus, you don't believe in Jesus, you'll believe in anything. Whether aliens come to earth to seed this world with intelligent life or something stupid like that, you'll fall for anything. You'll fall for anything. And Jesus warns us about Moses as well. They put their hope in Moses. I don't have time to develop this much. 
But he says in 45, you put your hope in Moses, but Moses accuses you. The law can't save you. The Ten Commandments can't help you, ultimately, in terms of law-keeping. Right? What, what, what does Moses do in, in the Pilgrim's Progress when he comes to Christian? Do you remember that? Wonderful story. Horrible story. He beats him to within an inch of his life. That's what the law will do for you. If you're convicted by the Scriptures, praise the Lord, that's what it's intended to do, to show you your need for Christ. Brothers and sisters, your only hope and your firm hope and your delightful hope, as we just sang it, is in Jesus Christ as your Messiah, as your helper. This text talks about him. It talks about coming to him to have life. Yes, verse 40. It talks about believing in him, receiving him, 43. Putting our hope on him, 45. And by implication, having his word abide in us, re- rejoicing in his life, not for a time, but for a lifetime. Brothers, sisters, would you join me in prayer? Let's give God thanks. Our Lord, we thank you for providing this all-sufficient Savior, the one who is indeed strong, who can take a, a person who cannot walk and make them walk, a person dead and make them alive. We thank you for your renewing work in our lives and hearts. We ask that you would continue that, that you might be our purest pleasure and our priceless treasure all the days of our lives. Oh, Lord, hold us close, for we will surely go astray. Lord, help us not to be, as we are so, by nature, so like Jesus' opponents, so hard-hearted and unresponsive. We don't have the love of God in us by nature. We are not responsive to you in our affections and the orientation of our minds. We love the praise and the honor of men. Oh, God, wean us of this horizontal orientation and, and place us in a vertical orientation with yourself, that, that Christ might be our all in all. And your love for us might be the driving motivation and the security and the peace of our lives, no matter what troubles and sufferings we may have to endure in this life. We thank you, Lord, for Luther. We thank you for our our German brothers and sisters who suffered so much in the cause of the gospel and for the great tradition that we have in their writings and their hymns. And God, we pray for renewal in our day throughout the world. We thank you that your gospel is spreading across the nations. We ask that that it might do a deep and deeper work in our hearts and lives in our families and congregations, and again, to the ultimate ends of the earth. Glory and praise, and worship and adoration, and blessing and honor be to you, Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son. We bless you. Amen. Copyright 2017, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.